Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. I want to welcome everybody this week to part two of my private investigation. And this week, I think I want to jump a little bit more into some details regarding this. And these will be really just some basic details that people need to comprehend and realize as far as uh, knowing what they want to do, as far as how they are positioning themselves, uh, their relationship with the state, with Uncle Sam, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, more really about truly being in the private, uh, more detailed than what uh, most people will provide. And so I'm going to jump into that. This would be uh, May 22nd, um, which I guess USA would be 522-22, or if uh, you're in Great Britain, it would be 22 0522, something like that. And I think I'm going to do the same thing as last week. And I'll just kind of start out with um, maybe the video presentation necessarily off. It's not really necessary. I know myself that when you're watching presentations that I provided <clears throat> and there's video involved, uh, seems like our minds can easily start swaying from the subject matter and not really paying attention and listening uh, to what is really going on. So we'll just do the same thing as we did last week. One of the things that I want to identify was the reasons for doing what I did. And this would really just kind of fall under maybe the why category. But uh, my purpose was not to prove anything to any man or prove anything to the state. Uh, my purpose really was my journey. I wanted to learn how all the moving parts worked, uh, see how they interacted with each other, and then find out what could really be done to separate uh, from such a construct. And really what it comes down to is really not wanting to be a a party to uh, what is currently in existence. And I would refer people to First uh, Samuel chapter 8, where the people wanted a king. I guess I could give you a, a brief rundown on First Samuel 8. First Samuel 8, uh, the people looked around at all the other nations. They saw that they had some king sitting up on a throne, physical king. And that's what they wanted. They, they wanted this physical king like the other nations had. Uh, maybe, I don't know, a bit of jealousy or wanting to be, you know, like the Joneses next door. Whatever the case may be. But that, that's not what we're really to want. And, you know, Samuel went to the creator and said, hey, you know, he, he was up in arms. What do I do? People want a king. And God told him, he said, the people haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. 
You know, and he said, listen, tell them, I'll give them a king. But they're not going to like what they're going to get. And if you read for Samuel chapter 8, it's almost like somebody had a scrying mirror or something and was able to see exactly where people are today. And he told me that your sons would be led off into wars for the king. You know, your daughters would become the maidservants. He would take the best of your crops and leave you with, you know, a percentage. Went on and on in detail, just perfectly described the way things are today. And that's one of the things that frustrates me is that I'll hear comments regarding like republics, for instance, and people will make comments like, oh, every Republican place is placed there by the hand of God. Well, yeah, the creator said, I'll give you a king, but you're not going to like what you get. Uh, that's the whole problem. And if you go to the first sentence of the First Amendment, it lays it out right there. Who Congress needs to write laws for and who they don't. If they don't need to write laws for you, then fine. If they do need to write laws for you, then that's what the rest of the sections of the Bill of Rights is all about. It's, you know, it seems to be common nature, really, of people uh, to put other people that they made into a box or a category. You know, they, they always want to figure them out. You know, if they're talking about politics, you know, they, they want to put them into a box of maybe Democrat, Republican, Libertarian. Or when people are even talking about religion, you know, they're, they're going to ask questions like, oh, are you Catholic? Are you Protestant? Are you Buddhist? And even if they are asking these questions, while people are talking to you in their mind, they're automatically putting you into one of those boxes. And whatever box they put you into, it is their personal definitions that is defining you, not who and what you really are. You know, I've, I've had situations where, in fact, I, I was even asked if I was a sovereign sit, <laughs> sovereign citizen. Uh, to which I, I replied, you know, I've never seen the definition of it. Don't know what you're talking about. And moved ahead with the conversation, you know, onto something else. Because I really don't like any of these boxes. I think it's one of the worst things that people do is to attach people into a box. Because like I said, then that means that you are going to fit underneath whatever their definition of that box is. And even in, say, for instance, the uh, truther movement, <laughs> you know, I've seen too many wild conspiracy ideas there, which, I mean, just nuts. Why would you want to associate with yourself with that? Uh, which I, I personally don't. It seems like too many people are worried about how we identify ourselves. What do we do? What do we call ourselves? Why is that so important? You know, do you ever feel a need of acceptance or something like that? You know, within this movement, you're going to see people like, you know, David Icke, you know. Um, and even, you know, you get maybe deeper down into some of these movements and you're going to find people that, and I would like to point out immediately, do not freaking put me in these boxes. Do not connect me to these people. My ideas are very, very different from theirs. Uh, they have their own agenda for doing what they're doing. My agenda is for me. 
that's what I've stated. You know, that my purpose wasn't to prove anything. It wasn't to prove anything to the man or to the state. My purpose was to figure out how everything works and separate myself from it. But, you know, we're going to see people like, you know, that David Wynn Miller, uh, rest in peace, or his crony, or Russell J. Gould, or many other people that follow those philosophies. Um, Marcus Sean Christopher, Winston Shrout, Anna Von Reitz, uh, Pendergrass. I mean, it, there's just so many different people out there that uh, people know about them, and they know some of the things that they talk about. Um, they're going to want to lump you into those. And I would say stay away from that as much as possible. You don't want to be combined in with any of these people. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to share in the sins of somebody else. I mean, it's just common sense. If somebody really wants to learn, you know, how to access their uh, secret TDA accounts or find their individual set of K trust or become a secure party creditor, postmaster general or muster master. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, this platform maybe isn't for you. Um, but on the other hand, it could be the right place if you weren't want to learn how to control that legal person. If you want to live in the private, you know, this could be the right place. Might not be as sexy and fun, but, you know, it's actionable information. And so much of the things that other people talk about isn't information that you can really put into any practical use and and that's the problem um i'm sorry not everybody can be the postmaster general i mean come on get a grip and last week we talked about four main categories that people fall into when they start researching uh, they, they fall into like i had stated you know the, the tax issue or licenses, uh, different world events might push them into it. And, and probably the most popular that people fall into is the Patriot movement uh, because they've already kind of got one foot in there. They've grown up with a lot of those philosophies. But at the same time, uh, these are some of uh, what they call the latches. And when I say latches, it's latches without a T, just L-A-C-H-E-S. Research that word. I recommend it. But getting in and really looking at all the moving parts and how things work, uh, you're going to find four essential things, really, that latch you in or tie you in, bind you in. Uh, one would be presumption of law. The second could be color of law. The uh, third could be color of title. Um, there could be the color of money. Or colorable money. Um, court is really a lot like it's just the, the appearance or presumptions of these things. That's what the color is. Color of really just means an appearance or presumption of something true or real, or something that people believe anyway is true or real. And a lot of people want to kick against these different things that they want to refer to like, you know, the de facto government or, you know, color or presumption, you know, th those things have no authority over me, <laughs> which I find funny, you know, um, they, they could probably maybe ponder or consider this uh, while sitting in a de facto or 
colorable prison or jail or while on de facto probation, taking a de facto urine test <laughs> and paying de facto fines with colorable money. You know, um, see how fake or real those things are then. You know, so, you know, kind of good luck with that argument. With the prior mentioned trap of patriotism, one of the biggest traps of the state, of both the idea of voting in a better leader or, you know, God, we got to vote harder, you know, or maybe even running for office with the thought of changing the system from the inside. That's just a horrible trap in itself. I, I really doubt that a plumber uh, would think it to be a good idea to maybe crawl inside the sewage drain in order to, you know, have purposes of fixing it. You know, no, it's just not going to happen. It's not the way it works. So one should question really voting itself. Um, to me, that's something that's very easily slipped into by people. And a lot of people, you know, I've heard them talk, they'll say, oh, I've never voted. You know, well, okay. If you have a driver's license, you very likely were automatically put on the voter rolls, whether you realize it or not. I had one friend that had told me that, you know, she never voted, da, 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 da. And so I took a couple minutes. I said, oh, that's interesting. Look what I found online. I not only found that you're registered as one of the party members, but uh, they didn't got your home address right here online. And she flipped out. She was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So how easily, and that's falling under the presumption. That's how easily that you get sucked into it. You know, this would be part of realizing how these moving parts of the system work and how they're used really against your autonomy versus realizing the situation of the USA being a republic. A lot of people say we've got to get our republic back. I really have no idea what they're talking about. That really only tells me they've never gone and looked up the definition of a republic. Um, but many just have no comprehension of its, how it's defined at all. Because it's defined essentially as a representative form of government. Where you get to choose people to go and represent you. In court, they are your voice, or not in court, but in Congress, they are your voice. Uh, 160 of the 193 United Nations countries are republics. And some people might stop and think, oh, oh, yeah, it's the communist nations that aren't republics. Well, there's the communist republic of China, isn't there? Wasn't there the People's Republic of China? That China's a republic as well. I mean, come on. It's just something they use to kind of pull the wool over your eyes. Uh, when in reality, in the background, something else is really running things. So, like I said, it's just simply a government operated by uh, elected representatives. Um, and it's a representative form of government, period. So, what really occurs in a representative situation? This is something... People really need to wrap their minds around, especially when they think that, oh, the power is with the people and we can, we can, you know, change things. Oh, well, you're right. The power is with the people. Unfortunately, you aren't the people. You have selected a people to represent you. It's just that simple. 
Um, a good example of this really would be in court. All right. There is people represented by an attorney if they hire one. This is a simple or rather a direct form of the role of agent. And I recommend to people as well, you know, you want to kind of wrap your mind around this idea of the agent principal relationship. I'd recommend that people go and read a treaties on the law of agency in contract and tort. Uh, that's written by George L. Reinhardt. I'll just repeat it again. A treaties on the law of agency in contract and tort. Um, at the same time, I recommend reading The Law of Nations by Emmer Vittel to people. And, and I know that's a huge book, maybe 700 pages, somewhere in there, around 700 pages. And that's a tough read for people. I think that a lot of people believe that we are so much more educated today than people were 100 years ago or uh, even longer back when Law Nations was written. But spend a few hours reading the Law Nations and then try and carry on a conversation with somebody. And it's like you've jumped from talking to real adults to talking to toddlers or something like that. Just weird. Yeah, the whole mindset is different. The whole thinking is different. But if you don't have time even to read the full book, I recommend just going and reading the preliminaries for the Law Nations. The preliminaries is about 12 pages long, and that'll really give you a good idea on what it's really about. Um, so being in a direct relationship, such as you know, with an attorney, uh, this requires that a power of attorney is signed, providing for your direct consent to an attorney for representation. And voting consent is displayed in a very similar way. Um, it's displayed through your action, through your activity, through your participation. Um, voting it gives consent to a representative as provided to the state representative or the senators. And those are the ones that when they come together, that's when Congress is assembled. And also the best display of where the United States is. Because it starts right out with everything they write. It says, the United States in Congress assembled. So where is the United States? It's in Congress assembled. And they assemble in D.C., which is the geographic area of the United States. And this really tells you where the right of redress is. The right of redress lays with the states. Why? Because they're the ones people have chosen to represent them. Uh, one of the best things to do is not agree that any of those people are representing you. I mean, Lord, I really don't want to be held responsible for some of the decisions they've made. But think of all the other officers on the ballot that are voted in. Now, these are all avenues used to your, your ability for representation. And I would also say sovereignty. This falls under the principle of popular sovereignty. Uh, that's covered as well in the Law Nations. I would recommend people can even just look up that principle. 
anywhere online, the principle of popular sovereignty, which is the principle of the people allowing a selected group of people to represent them. That means you're turning over your sovereignty to them. That's how popular sovereignty is observed. Uh, you know, and while looking at the principle of popular sovereignty and the structure of the nations through time, all nations were really built, and I've said before, on two pillars, the pillar of the priests and uh, the pillar of the kings. And the pillar of the priests would be those black robe guys in the temple of every county, and the pillar of the kings would be your legislature. And both of these really rely on each other uh, to hold up the roof or the umbrella uh, over the residents that reside underneath that roof. Um, you want know, to see a physical depiction of it, look at the front of a social security card. You know, see those two pillars there. That's what those two pillars are. For an example, when I was first researching and studying, I thought, you know, let me put this into action. Let me do something regarding the pillar of the priest, pillar of the kings. Let me, let me really see the reliance that they would have on each other. And down here on Florida, you would get every three months or so, you would get a jury summons. And most of the time, you just throw them in the garbage. Nothing really happens. They don't have enough time to chase people down on those. But I thought, you know, let me put this into effect and see what would result of it. See how much the pillar of the priest relies on the pillar of the kings and vice versa. And so I sent in a resignation of my voter status or a resignation of voter's registration, however you want to term it. And I did this in the fall because I know shortly after the first of the year is when all records get updated. And so about two or three weeks into the new year, I gave a ring to the supervisor of elections and said, Hey, you know, I had sent in a um, resignation of uh, voters registration. I just want to see what had happened with it. And they went online and, and looked it up and they said, Oh yeah, we see it right here on the computer. Yeah. You, you've been taken off the voter rolls. I said, oh, awesome. Because, you know, the, the important thing isn't just having that done and knowing in your heart that that's one line of separation that you put in, but it's also having evidence of that. So, so I asked them, okay, can I come down there? Can I check this out? Uh, can you make me a copy of it? They said, sure, come on down. So I went down to the office that day, and the girl ran a copy of it off from the computer, it was printed on a red, white, and blue piece of paper, nice letterhead. She took an embosser, looked like it was probably 30, 40, 50 years old, embossed it. And then she went and autographed it as well and gave it to me. And the next time that this jury summons came along, this is my opportunity to look at how much these two pillars weigh on each other, how much they depend on each other. And so instead of on that green card that they would send out where you can check a box for your excuses or whatever, all I did was I enclosed a copy of what I had received from the supervisor of elections, stuck that along with the green card in an envelope, mailed it to them, 
it seemed like the next day almost I got a letter back from them saying, oops, sorry, we won't mess with you anymore. We won't bother you. And sure enough, since that date, I have never again gotten another jury summons. So that was just showing to me an example that, yes, these two pillars do rely on each other because my choice to not participate in the voting process, which is on the side of the pillars of the kings, the legislative body, I use that to affect the pillar of the priest, uh, the guys in the robes in the Temple of Baal downtown in the county. So to me, that was very sufficient evidence to prove to me that, yeah, that does work. Uh, that is actionable information, as I call it. So uh, voting, really, it's merely just one of the examples where people's participation throws, shows consent. If we want to find you know, participation used to prove consent and jurisdiction, I would say you only need to go and like, listen to the questions a judge will ask somebody. And the first things they're going to ask are things that establish um, their jurisdiction. And most of them are really just through the consent of the individual. You know, they may, you know, of course, ask them their name. Um, uh, they're going to ask them their address, uh, how long they've been a resident at that address. Which, uh, there's a double meaning to that right there. Uh, they'll ask where they work. Uh, if jurisdiction is directly challenged, they may even ask about banking or licensing, their, their identification, or whether or not they file taxes. And even in, say, you know, a federal setting, um, they'll use which is called the gravel test. And the gravel test has similar questions in as well. People can go and look that up. Um, but answering these questions correctly and positioning your person correct will resolve a lot of issues and can greatly, greatly uh, simplify your life, which I totally recommend to people to do. Um, to me, it's basically comprehending these things, these main things that I just laid out here. That's part of the foundation. Uh, once you wrap your mind around these, uh, if some of them you think you disagree with or whatever the case may be, that's fine. Um, go ahead and take some of those items, write them down and research them, look them up, see what you find, because I could pretty much guarantee you're going to find the same things I found. And like I gave the example with the voting situation, you know, when you're finding these things, you go and say, okay, how can I test them out? How can I find whether this is really legit, if this really works, if this really has any substance or meaning behind it? And very quickly, you will find, yeah, that this is the case. This does have meaning. Uh, there is substance behind these ideas. Uh, myself, the best evidence is doing things. Doing them yourself, and then that really proves it to you. Don't go and stand on beliefs or ideas of things that people present to you without having put them into action. If it's not something you can put into action, then it's really not valuable information anyway. 
but take those things that you can put into action and do it and see what happens. That tells you how real or how valuable that information is, which actually, when you see that it works, when, when you see there's merit to it, it changes from just being information to becoming knowledge. And knowledge is much more weightier than information is. Just going to take a quick peek in the chat here. Um, greetings, my apology for tardiness, says Keith, my co-host. So let me see if I can jump over here and grab Keith and see what's up with him this evening. How are you doing this evening, brother? I'm awesome. Awesome. How about yourself? Couldn't be better. Good, good. You know, you were talking about the... Uh the different aspects that we have to look at things in. And, and one of the things I wanted to point out and I'm, I'm wanting to do a video about it is the seat of judgment. You know, when, when we talk about that seat of the Kings and the seat of the Lord, those are, those are two different seats of judgment. And, you know, if you know me, one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 54 verse 17 in letting prosper against you. And that we're supposed to, um, every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So when we bring the, the Lord's word, it's not a matter of judgment, it's a matter of righteousness. And we're using that righteousness against the judgment of another man. When somebody comes against, against us and places a judgment while we're in fact alive, that is not their place. OK, now, when we think about judgment in, in regards to a man placing a judgment, we look at Romans 13, 1 through 20, and it talks about um, there is no power but that which is ordained of God and judge not lest ye be judged the same. And what this is talking about is we're not supposed to be judging each other in the commercial aspect. What we're supposed to be doing is if any judgment, it's in the spiritual aspect so we can help correct each other, not to punish each other, but to correct each other. And then when we look at Corinthians, um, what is it? Second uh, Corinthians five, verse 10. Um, this is the, the, the seat of judgment of Christ. And it says, uh, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And so when we think about the judgment seats, the judgment seat of this, this administrative court is the personal judgment seat of what we do physically in actions um, similar to that of a corporate trustee, making us liable in that physical capacity for the person. But when it comes to this, the judgment seat of Christ, that's when we when we put our pen to paper and we make sure that we're not going to be doing that to begin with. When we go forth in life with without the judgment seat of Christ and doing his good works first and foremost, we forget them and we start acting in person. And that's when we become liable. And, and that's how they get away with placing that judgment on us. So we have to be very careful in our own judgment before we get involved with the other things. And this is why we talk about that. That scripture says the people are the ones that screamed for the earthly king. 
They felt they weren't competent in walking in the way of Christ or the way of the word as it was expressed. So they hollered for a king to explain it to them, to guide them. And but that that hollering for a king, they gave got nothing but a king from within themselves of someone else who didn't didn't comprehend it. And so they used that principle to their own good. And this is that commercial aspect. That judgment is false. And in, in order to rebut that judgment, you have to learn that tongue. Let no tongue prosper against you. It doesn't say that we're not supposed to learn that stuff. It's when we learn it that we're able to use it against them. Um, and, and it's not necessarily to learn how to contract, uh, use the contract against them, but learning how to contract so they can't use the contract to begin with. You're yeah. the contractor. You're the exactly. one. That it's where uh, merchant law came from. What uh, was man. And yeah, but that that's also the where I've got an issue. I mean, you read a verse there from Paul about, you know, authority is being placed there by God. And I really have a hard time with accepting that the creator would have placed uh, Kim Jong-un or Kim Jong-il in North Korea or placed Stalin or Mussolini or Lenin or any of those people into power. Uh, yeah, they, they're not teaching the word of God, so they can't possibly be there by God's ordination. And that's where people are wrong. They, they, like you said earlier, the voter registration is a, is a big fallacy, and when you start using that and, and playing on that, they're going to play with it too. They depend on that polity in order to have any power at all. Well, if people didn't learn that in the last election, they, they should have, have figured out by now. <laughs> but instead, I, I see you know people are still like, oh, well, you know, we'll we'll get our red man back or, or whatever. It's like guys. You don't yeah, get we'll get better this time. <laughs> you don't get it yet, you know. Yeah, I uh, well, and you mentioned earlier too about the driver's license. Um, a lot of times they'll put your name on a voter registration because you use a driver's license because they 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 use that in their po political um, zoning. You know, when one one um, party starts overtaking another zone is because they rezone things during their, their commission of their party. So while the Democrats are in, in, in power, they go through their, all their city maps and they rezone according to the modern and the current time statistics to show that will show them what their best voting party will, or vote, voting population will, will come from. And so they'll extend their zone to include that population. Yeah. Uh that's all it is, is just gaining votes. And, that's gerrymandering. Yeah, and, and people people think that, uh, well, like I said earlier, they think they have some kind of power, then then why don't you vote better? You know, put that to them. Can't you vote better? Well, no, I can only vote such and such and such and such. Well, then why are you voting? If you really have no power to change by voting better, then you ought to recognize that your vote doesn't count at all. Well, I, you know, Keith, I've said before that if you think your vote counts, you know what? Absolutely, it does, but you don't know what your vote is. First, you have to realize who it is that is controlling the powers that be, and because those people controlling the powers that be, as uh, this being an oligarchy or whatever, it's all the corporations that are the ones 
that they're funding the money for the elections. They're the ones putting these people in power and they're putting the people in power that are going to do the things that they want to see done. And normally it's not going to be on a conservative side, but these are going to be corporations and businesses that you frequent and you spend your money at. And so by you funding them, you are helping them fund a power against you. And that is your only vote is your dollar. Yeah. And, and everybody it's, I, I hope everybody comprehends it's all a big insurance scheme because that's what their first priority is, is risk management. Why do you suppose their first priority is risk management? Do you suppose it's because they're licensed to do that, which would otherwise be illegal. And if they get caught, they might have problems. Damn, that word liability pops up again, doesn't it? You know, that's that's one of those things that I really peop, I really hope people get out of the scriptures someday. You know, our laws come from the scriptures and that surety that they're looking for in the person um, is it, it should never be found. The, the person is fiction. And so when we look at the person in the fiction with it, I hope to impress upon everybody, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain and Tom Sawyer. OK, you knew about Samuel Clemens. Because all you had to do was know the name. You knew about Mark, Mark Twain so long as you knew about the other books that it was written under. And then those books that he used to, to that Mark Twain to write were enumerated by pages that told the story of the third person. So when we think about our languages today, we really have to realize that King and the land and the, the Lord in heaven are two different things, and they have, they hold two different positions. One's priority, and one's secondary. Now, if you want to play that third um, third party, that beneficiary, then you need to learn what the first um, thing is and what the second thing is. And of course, the first thing is the word of our Father which art in heaven. The second thing was two elements. Moses brought the word as it was written. Jesus brought the word as it was supposed to be followed by actions. Actions speak louder than words. When Moses brought the word, there was no one to teach him. All they had to do, all they all they could do was depend upon the word that man conscribed. In Christ, it was the ability brought forth to be able to act like it without using any words whatsoever. That's why Keith, he spoke in parables. Keith, at this time, I, I, I think, too, that one of the things that people mentally jump to whenever uh, scripture passages, things like that are brought up is their minds naturally jump to what I talked about earlier, putting people or putting things into a box, putting things into a category. And people are going to immediately, their minds are going to go back to maybe their Baptist upbringing or their Catholic upbringing if, if they were brought up in a man-made religion. Or their minds are going to go to some type of man-made religion that they have a view of. Listen. That's the most dangerous thing that can be done because the spiritual principles written in Scripture are solid. They're unarguable. They are fact. They are the truth. Okay? And it's, I don't think anything that is written in there that you can't say, yes, those principles, if people followed them, things would be a lot smoother today. We should be looking at things from more of a direction of the spirituality uh, rather than looking at it from a man-made religion point of view, because anything man-made will fail. 
Well, that's that's uh, one of the things I spoke about in my last video on uh, Jacob's Ladder. Um, the key to the house of David is not living in the word, but living in the spirit of the word. Today, everybody's worried about the law and how it's not being enforced be or, or they, they don't have the proper enforcement because they're just writing shit up without legislating it. Well, that's what the written word's all about. I can write a word. I can write stuff down and I can call it my law. And if you want to get along and cooperate with me and have peace with me, you have to follow my law. Okay. If my law is in concordance with the spirit of love, which is the law, then most anybody would agree with it. So when we find legislated law that most people don't agree with, or many people don't agree with, we have to start seriously thinking, at least the people that don't agree with it need to start seriously thinking why is it they don't agree with it? And when we come to that foundation, even their own law opposes it, that they don't have any enforcement based upon the written word, but rather it's supposed to be done on these, the intent. Well, all, all of those laws and everything that they're writing, though, that, those are all in-house. It's, yeah. it's for their business, their company. And unless you're a member of their business or their company, they don't apply to you. Unfortunately, it's somehow... Uh, People have a feeling that they do, but uh, like I said, you know, it, was it around the 21st of January? I think uh, Biden proved that to everybody. It does not apply to you. Yeah. <laughs> Their arm only reaches so far. Well, and that arm only reaches as long as you've got a chartered, a charter and, and board of directors. And that's what I've been trying to tell people when they convert that record and make a presumption that you have, the ability to hire an attorney when you don't you, you if you don't have a board of directors and a uh, a charter registered then you're not organized under the laws of the united states incorporated or unincorporated or otherwise you're not organized and it takes an organization in order to be involved otherwise you have a separate private foundation of of establishing maybe an organization someday but you're not there yet. So you're not you're not capable. You, you are incapacitated legally. You have a legal disability. You are not able to legally. Therefore, you do operate outside of the law. And so maybe, maybe the Disability Act does apply to you then. <laughs> OK, well, yeah. well, their disability acts, uh, uh, their disability acts, folks, cover um, any disability mm -hmm. it's just like the Ninth Amendment enumerated or not if you find a disability just because it's it's a disability to you but they don't have they don't have it in the record yet doesn't mean it can't be placed in the record and this is the problem they don't want to place certain things in the record because such a disability a legal disability being placed in the record by somebody showing that 98 percent of the people are legally disabled would legally disable 98 percent of their record it's a math problem, folks, and they oh. have a definite problem if somebody figures it out. One person figures it out and other people catch on. Guess what? It's a landslide. It's a domino effect. Yeah. Well, that, that would kind of nullify all of the votes that put them in office, wouldn't it? Yep. All right, Keith, I got to run, bro. All right. Thanks, brother. Everybody hey. have a good night. God bless. Love you. Thanks for showing up. All right. Thanks for being here. And I can tell people every week who you really are, where you're really from. And where are you really at? Because that's where you're going to find your keys. Love you all. Be blessed.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.